Well, hello, everybody. It is maintenance day, and you know what? I know we're we're you've gotten accustomed to us being here on Mondays, but you know what? Hockey's here for real, like for real, real. Uh, so we're gonna try to do Mondays all the time, but you know sometimes our schedules, the Saber schedule, is not gonna allow that. So just be patient with us. Be nice. Be nice. Most of all, be nice. Uh, so uh, we're coming at you uh, this week, and we are just through with uh, the prospect challenge. By we, I mean myself and Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News. Lance, hello. Oh, Joe. Yes. Um, maintenance days. You never know when you're, when you're going to need one. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You can always expect this early in the week. But um, the Saber schedule, including a preseason game Sunday, hard to believe Sunday is their first preseason game at 2 what? p.m., you might have to wait, you know, maybe we, we record on Monday. It's it, you know, I'll be flying back that evening from DC, but we will always be here and uh, hockey's underway, right? It's hard to believe the season is here, but prospects challenge the last several days gave us, um, you know, quite the, the reintroduction and it's, uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back in a freezing cold drink, watching, watching <laughs> hockey again. Oh, it's so weird to have it like humid and warm out and being like, yeah, I'm wearing long pants and I brought a sweatshirt <laughs> with me and, you know, stopping, stopping to get it like a something to drink before going in the rink and people are like, dude, it's like 80 degrees. What are you doing? I'm just, trust me, trust me, you just, you just trust me on this. I'm, I'm doing a smart thing. I'm not a psycho. Please, please don't call anybody. It's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, <laughs> I yeah, yeah, I, I honestly can't believe it's time. It's it's blown me away. And like just being at the rink the last few days, which for me, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a while for everybody just because, you know, last season, whatever, it's been a little bit longer for your for for me. So it's been very weird to just kind of like be back. And then it's like it's like I hadn't missed the last couple of years. It's like I had it's like I was just there yesterday. Everybody was just kind of like, oh, hey, what's up? And which I got to tell you. It's pretty nice to just fall right back in and have it just be like, boom, 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 boom. We're like right back. Same old jokes with the arena guys and, you know, the security people and all that stuff. It's nice. It's nice. And it's think back to the last prospects challenge that you covered um, um, and the difference in just the overall talent yeah. level between what you saw the last handful of days compared to 2019, which – of course, you know, Dylan Cousins was there then. There were yeah. some, some, you know, some good players on the ice. But from top to bottom, this roster, as any, you know, everybody who watched the game saw is at a different level. And just to think they didn't have Devin Levi, you know, Noah mm-hmm. Osla, and there's quite a few guys that just weren't able to attend. And all things considered, I mean, Joe, there's you know, there we could fill an entire podcast with this. We also have training camp to talk about, which, again, hard to believe mm-hmm. starts Thursday with practices. But just right off the bat, um, who, what, which player, players really stood out to you, not only with the three games, but the practices, right? I mean, they, they did get a lot of practice time in, and these weren't brief, you know, casual practices. No. Seth, Seth Appert and his staff ran them through exhaustive practices and morning skates, right? Yes. I think we even commented on it both days, like, oh, man, like, you know, this is a morning skate. It doesn't look like one. Like, like we know they practiced yesterday right like that was they did that didn't they and then you know morning skate a 45 minute morning skate i think it was the one yeah day. like yeah nobody nobody does 45 minutes anymore like, i mean you're allowed to do it but yeah that was yeah i was very i mean listen it's instruction time for for a lot of those guys because you know a handful of them are going to go back 
to juniors eventually. You know, I think a whole bunch of them are going to end up with Seth and Rochester. So, so there's that part of it. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. But uh, for guys that stood out, I mean, listen, I, I'm not, I was not shy about saying it on Twitter like, at all. Like, not one bit. But, and I, I think we were kind of greasing the wheels for this last week, about last week, even the last couple of weeks about Tyson Kozak, about just the progress he's made as a player and, you know, becoming a, you know, a 30 plus goal guy in, in Portland in the WHL. And, you know, knowing that, you know, he came up as kind of a defensive forward. So he's already got that part of his game down. And then, you know, he starts scoring goals and you're like, hey, wait a minute. And man, he, geez, I'm, for a guy that I haven't watched a whole lot of, really stood out. Because, it, it, you know, as advertised, I think with everything that we we discussed, it was right there on the ice. And it was, man, oh man, he frustrated the hell out of everybody he played against. Really smart player. Does all the little things that you want to see a prospect of that age. He's just so advanced in his two-way game. And his work in, in front of the net offensively for a kid, like you mentioned, who a few years ago, including leading up to that that very unusual 2021 draft, didn't really see himself as that offensively talented guy, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's a, a part of his game that he's had to develop, and he has developed it at a very accelerated rate. You know, it's going to, you know, when he transitions to Rochester, whether that be, you know, whenever that, that does occur, uh, Seth Apper Seth hinted to us that it's going to be a, yeah. much sooner rather than later. <laughs> He wasn't really hinting. He pretty much basically said, "Yeah, we'll be coaching coaching him like next week." Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he, that heavier physical style of game, how that really translates when he is facing bigger competition. But he bullied fellow prospects, and a lot of those guys that he was facing throughout those three games had Mm -hmm. American Hockey League experience, so they found what looks to be a steal in the seventh round at this point, which this organization think about, you know, Victor Olofsson aside, how many of those types of players had they hit on in the past? Not very many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, I, I mean, never mind hitting on guys in the seventh round. They were hitting on guys in the second round or the third yeah. round of the past. I mean, it, it, that, that's not being flippant about it. It's freaking true. <laughs> Even some of the first round picks, you could argue like, well, they didn't really get those down right either, but. Um, but to, I mean, you know, listen, we, we were talking about this before, but that looking back, it, give it a few more years, that 2021 draft could be really funny to look back at, uh, because people are gonna be like, I can't believe you slept on this guy. Like, how did you not know? And it's like, well, nobody knew <laughs> <laughs> literally nobody knew because, you know, half the leagues weren't playing. Most of the leagues weren't playing and you were just kind of like, all right, let's judging everything based on what you saw from a year before, which. Good luck. You know, like you're, you're talking about like a, a guy at, you know, 16 or 17 and p- trying to project where he's going to be at 18 and then project where he's going to be for years after that. Good friggin' luck, man. Like you can't can't do that. But uh, but I, I, I always have to temper expectations with this stuff because it's very easy to see a guy play really well in these camps and these games and say, like, wow, he's going to be in the NHL. How, how could he not be? And it's like, well, you know, things can happen. Things can happen. Things can always happen. You know, you get in the real situations and it changes. That's the way it goes. But I don't know. Like guys like him and some of the others we're gonna we're gonna get into. But it was very easy to see that. Yeah, I I can see these skills translating 
into the uh, certainly at the in the AHL. I you know I'm not going to project anybody for the NHL. I'm fiddling with stuff. I'm just all I'm all like crazy because we got hockey. Um, but like uh, trying to project these guys in the NHL, you, you can't do it because you just don't know how things are going to shake out. But AHL, I not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think we could figure that out pretty well. And you know just based on you know the Ottawa game we just watched. Um, that was a lot of there was quite a few guys that played for Belleville or guys that they were familiar with yeah. from uh, from junior hockey and even some guys that had Ottawa time, you know, like it's, you know, I mean, there's a couple of guys like that. But uh, but these are guys that they're going to be playing against if they're playing at Rochester right away. So that's a great measuring stick to find out where they sit playing against these guys. And geez, it's it you got to feel good about this. I think if, if you're Buffalo, because it's a lot of guys coming forth that were just like, wow. All right. Well, we got some players here, which is, you know, not really something you could say too often in the past. I mean, you could, but it was just always, Oh, Hey, it was a first round pick. Well, yeah, of course he's good. Yeah. I was about to say the, the, the easy player to talk about based on performance overall would be Matt Savoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, finished with three goals in the tournament, but he was so good in every area of the ice that mm-hmm. I, we can go on and on about how good he is, what the plan is. But in terms of another late round guy, I mean, Lukash Rusek. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like it just it's exactly what we saw from him in the playoffs last year for Rochester. He's just a different type of player, playmaker, really strong on the puck below the hash marks. And especially with the way that the Sabres and Rochester play, the way the game is played today, you need guys who can do that. He forechecks. He's just such a nice compliment and a very smart player uh, and sneaky good skill, right? He's not he's not a guy who's going to he, – he's passed first a lot of the times, and I'm sure that he'll learn to, to trust his instincts and, and take advantage of some scoring opportunities. But I remember just talking – all the guys in Rochester we talk about during those playoffs, just how they – caught themselves laughing at how ridiculously talented and skilled he is, the plays that he makes in practice and mm-hmm. built that on, on that again this past week. And another, I know that we mentioned it over the last couple of weeks. He's just, he's one of those players that would not be shocked at all to see him stay much longer in training camp than you would expect for somebody considering really the lack of experience in the American hockey league, because he missed all that time at the ACL injury last season. Yeah. And I, I have to think that a lot of that has to do with how old he is, you know, not an old man, but like, you know, he was drafted at 20 years old. So he's what, 23, yeah, 23, 24. So, I mean, he's got the time he spent years in the Czech league. So it's not like he's inexperienced. It's not like you're asking a guy who's only played against, you know, 16 through, you know, 19 year olds to come in and immediately be, you know, to play AHL time and, and, you know, make that very rapid adjustment. We're talking about a guy that played, against pros. And I always like to make the joke that this guy played against Yarmir Yager, <laughs> you know, <laughs> out there in the, in the Czech Republic, but I mean, probably didn't, but maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe you, one of those years he did, but Yuri Kulik did, but you never know. Cause Yager just shows up and plays when he, when he wants to play. So that's, that's <laughs> true. I mean, and plus he's got the keys to every rink out there, I imagine. So if, you know, if, if he wants to play, yeah, it's, it's, his, although he, he owns Cladno. So I mean, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a different, thing there but i mean it's a yeah it's a little different for a guy like that but i gotta think they they have to value the mentor role that he's gonna have uh for kulik in the ahl of course you know again assuming he's going to the ahl he is 
he is, unless he makes the NHL, which I mean, I doubt that'll happen, but I always have to leave that dangling out there. It's going to be like, well, what if, you know, what if a bunch of dudes don't show up to camp and just, you know, mail it in thinking they got a roster spot and then this kid blows the doors off. Then you got to say, well, all right, well, let's get a look at him, but that's not going to happen. So, so Rusek needs to be there kind of with Kulik just to give him somebody to, you know, to speak the language, you know, speak the language with, although, you know, in dressing rooms is always English only, but still somebody to, to kind of help you guide you through those first, those, those first few weeks, months of the season to just get a feel for things. That was so important for Rusek last season. He had Picard, right? I mean, even when Picard was hurt, Picard was acting as a translator while Rusek learned English. They lived together. That's always a difficult adjustment off the ice. And Joe, there were a few players, Sabres prospects in particular, among this roster that clearly just got better and better as this week went along. Mm -hmm. And I'll start with the most notable one who I know fans were very curious to hear about, Alexander Kisikov. Three primary Mm -hmm. assists in the finale, scored his first goal against New Jersey on Saturday night. It's he's just going to be a very fascinating player to track because we all know his development in an ideal world. He stays over there for probably another year, gains more strength, gets to play minutes in the the KHL. But Mm -hmm. he comes over here. They know this is the role he's going to have. We can influence everything about the way this kid is going to be brought along. And, you know, there's going to be a very difficult adjustment there at times. I know that Seth Appert repeated it a few times this week that, hey, J.J. Paterka went through the same thing last year. We know Jack Quentin did during that very unusual AHL season where Kisikov, Kulik, Rosé, and they're going to have some difficult moments. But Kisikov, the talent is obviously there. He's just super skilled and really meshed well with Matt Savoy this past week. You know, what did you think uh, about Kisikov? And um, because I know he's one of those players we had talked about and we really wanted to watch. Yeah, he he was a guy that I was more concerned about the size, which I think against this group of players is he's better. He's able to better get away with it because there's you've got other guys that are similar, similarly sized as opposed to your your regular AHL guys where you're gonna have some bigger guys out there. You got you're gonna have your heavier guys, your guys that love to hit. All that stuff is gonna be out there. But it didn't see like Ottawa had a very Ottawa had a pretty heavy lineup uh, this afternoon, uh, Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's Monday, right? Uh, they had a pretty big lineup of guys where you're just watching them. You're just kind of like, okay, maybe you know, let's see what happens when he tries to you know try to scoot up the wall and and get past the defenseman or uh, you know somebody you know or a forward trying to pin him off. He was able to really get around the ice well, and he was able to elude a lot of a lot of hits because guys, you know, listen, when you're a bigger dude and you see a small guy, you want to crush them on the ice. <laughs> it's the it's the big bully mentality that that you have out on the ice, but he was able to just really get elude a lot of that and make a lot of very difficult plays uh, offensively. And you know what? He wasn't, he wasn't lacking on the defensive end either. He was very strong in the four check. I think that that's something to note for most of these, these elevated offensive players, they were outstanding on the four check. Like they just use the speed and all that to just force guy, you know, force defensemen to make bad passes or force the forwards to, to have to come all the way up. And then you're picking off passes and getting chances that way. But Kisikov, man, I I would have loved to have seen him shoot more. Honestly, like that, that's that, that's yeah. the one thing I was I was kind of missing out from him. But 
I mean, geez, if he's if he's able to get if he's able to thread a pass through for Savoy to get a tap in, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> goal's a goal, man. You know, you get your points, get your goals, like that's fine. I have the exact same thought about Isak Rose. And, and and again, like we're you're hearing different pronunciations, listeners, but we got another crash course in how to pronounce these kids' names this past week. So which is always important. Philip Siderquist is another one for you, which we will, yep. I'm sure we'll touch on him. But Roseanne, um, really good on the four check, I thought, and used his speed, particularly in the game Monday, to just frustrate the heck out of out of the senators. It, you saw that speed at World Juniors. Of course, it was a one of the really the bench the landmarks of his game, if you will, mm-hmm. pillars of his game. You know, from the start, you know, dating back to all the you know the draft eligible season and everything we heard about him, but he really showcased that throughout the week, and in particular on Monday, he was just so good. There were some times throughout the week where he passed up on shots, but these guys are performing. In an NHL setting, wearing an NHL jersey in front of management, coaches, scouts, I can't imagine the nerves that they have to be dealing with. So I wasn't surprised at all, especially with that really pretty ugly first period on Thursday, but but for everybody involved. But Roseanne, yeah, I mean, you see when he's playing against his peers or in that sort of environment, why he was a first round pick and his game is just it's night and day compared to development camp. Remember, he suffered that hand injury back in February, missed time like he was working out between then and development camp in July. But this is a totally, you know, there's no way to simulate competition that you, you get in these physical practices because they do have very physical practices even in development camp with battle drills and whatnot. But he looks like he is ready for the season, like just a much more well-rounded player than I would have anticipated at, at this point in his development, especially with how much time he missed last season. He didn't get to play many minutes, you know, not mm-hmm. ideal for a kid coming out of his first draft eligible year. But man, yeah, he is he is going to be very, very interesting to track in Rochester, just how he's used, what sort of areas, because you're going to get a better barometer, you know, a better gauge on what he needs to really do to reach the NHL once he's going against AHL competition. Yeah, and the speed factor, and it, it's been talked about a lot that that it's one of his strengths, but to see it in action is something that makes you appreciate it a lot more, especially when he's able to just kind of turn it on you know, a flip of a switch kind of thing where uh, I'm thinking of one of his, one of his, you know, break-ins into the offensive zone on Monday uh, and the defenseman has him pretty squared up. He's got him, you know, defenseman's just kind of gliding back and he's, he's got him within arm's reach. So he's, he's in a good spot. Roseanne just, he sees something where he goes, nope, I can get by this guy. And he just like did that like two strides and then he's already around him. And the defenseman's just doing, he does the oh shit turn. And he's like, oh shit, he's gone. And it, like, it, he's already gone to the net. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm just like, it wasn't a lot of space because we're talking about just a little bit ahead of the half wall. I'm just trying you know, try to give the, to draw the mental picture of like where this happens. Because it's in the offensive zone. It's not even like it's a, it's a neutral zone play where he breaks in. It's there just across the blue line. And it wasn't even like a shoulder shimmy or anything like that, but like, you know, defenseman's just squared up and then he just goes boom, boom. And then he's around and it's like, Whoa, okay. And then suddenly it's a, it's a two on one for the final 15 feet to the net and he creates a chance. And it's, I mean, stuff like that is it's really impressive. Now, is he going to be able to do that against better defensemen? Probably not, but if they're not ready for it, 
And if they don't have him properly scouted or they got their gaps wrong, he's going to do it. And he's going to make some guys look really bad just because he can do that qu- that quick burst of speed. Have this, as interesting as the Amherst were last season, just imagine um, how many storylines are going to be worth monitoring down mm-hmm. there this coming season. Not only Kisikov, Rosean, but Ciderquist. And, like, I remember him showing up in, in 2019, and there wasn't any particular part of his game that stood out, right? Like, he wasn't yeah. the fastest player. He didn't have the hardest shot. And you just wondered, what sort of role is this kid going to, to play at some point? You know, fifth-round pick, of course, only 18, but, you know, had gotten some games in pro at that point. So, mm-hmm. But he has put on 21 pounds since then. He's six foot 208, and he's become a guy who plays in front of the net. And him and Kozak, man, that that line yeah. just made it miserable to play against yeah. them with how how they forecheck. They're playing in front of the net. Um, yeah, like Ciderquist, he's just one of those prospects who's taken a giant leap these last two years to earn himself an entry level deal. Yeah, and. You know, this the forward group for for the Sabers this year, uh, not very large, not a lot of big boys out there. You know, for anybody who loves the power the power forward game, you're probably looking at the lineup and going like, "What is this tiny crew? What like what what is this? What is this team going to be in the future? They're just going to get pushed around the ice. What's going to happen?" Aside from Tuck, Tuck is the Tuck <laughs> Gergensen's, right. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, a lot of people see, you know. Um, Middlestad, Krabs, yeah. what have you. But it's, uh, but like, I mean, especially this crew at, um, at the uh, prospects challenge because, because uh, Ciderquist stood out very clearly. <laughs> and even during the, uh, one of the practices, he's out there with, you know, with Savoy and he's out there with Kisikov and like all these guys that are five, nine, five, 10, you know, Weisbach was another one. They're doing power play stuff, and you know, Ciderquist is just standing in front of the goalie because that's where you want him on the power play. And you know, he's blocking out the goalie, but also he's towering over every every one of his line mates on the power play. And I'm, I'm looking at him, I'm going, "How big is this guy? Like, what? Like, I'm because your proportions are all skewed looking at this." And I'm like, "Is he like six six? Like, what what's going on here?" And then I'm like, six three, six three. Can't be six three. Is it? Then I look at everybody else. They're five nine. I go, well, okay, yeah, he's probably six three then. Um, but he he was, you know, the the power play stuff. I mean, yeah, park in front, and I'm not going to take. I can't take anything seriously with special teams and these things. It's just whatever. You're not practicing him. It's just basic stuff. You just get open and shoot the puck. Um, but his play at 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 evens where he's he's being a power forward. He's taking the puck to the net. He's driving. He's using his body to shield the puck and take it to the net. Even he had a play on Monday where he takes it in one handed and creates an opportunity just out of nowhere. And I think it was, it was for Kozak. I think Kozak scored on that. Maybe I think so. Yes. Yeah. But he, but I, but it's like, it's a one hand on the puck drive to the net, keeping the defenseman on his, you know, carrying his defenseman on his back. Cause the defenseman can't reach the puck and just going right to the net and doing it. And he did that a few times through the three games. Man, oh man, like reminded me a little bit of how, and they're different players. So don't, you know, don't think I'm comparing one to the other, but it reminded me a lot of Brett Murray, how he was doing a lot of stuff in training camp before 
and how he do, how, how he was starting to do stuff at Rochester, where once you realize how big you are and what you can do with the puck and, and how the advantage that it gives you, you're like, oh, I can do this often. Great. This is perfect. I can I can I can play that way. And I think Ciderquist is going to find that out very quickly that if he does that often, he's going to be able to score a lot of goals. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting that like I remember Brett Murray talking about it because that that obviously wasn't his game earlier in his career. He was not no. a power forward when he was at the Youngstown Phantom scoring 50 goals in the USHL. Mm-hmm. So it to really learn the nuances of net front technique, winning those puck battles. I thought Ciderquist for just considering the growth spurt that he that he had and where he's at right now in his development. I thought that he's much further along than I would have anticipated. Um, just a really he's going to be a really good complement to the other, the other players that the Amherst are going to have all that skill. He's going to create space. He's going to make life pretty difficult on goalies just by knowing how to get in the way going in and winning puck battles. It's one of those guys you really need in your organization. Now, Olivier Nadeau is another one they're going to have coming at some point. Of course he couldn't, he couldn't compete this past week because of the shoulder injury, but you know, Ciderquist, um, yeah, if he's just, late bloomer kind of kind of player and um he he doesn't have that acceleration that someone like rosean has but he he certainly has the speed to play the way that the amerks and the sabers do yeah and you know i for as good as it was to watch a lot of these guys i you mentioned the doe and his injury and poor josh bloom uh yeah thursday thursday night against montreal gets absolutely blown up by teammate Zach Brazola as Brazola was going to hit one of the Montreal players, but Bloom ended up in the mix of it because he was, you know, he was going after the same player uh, and ended up, you know, he was on his hip and then Brazola comes in and blows him up, blows up the whole group and Bloom got the worst of it and left with, he was hunched over upper body, obviously, um, I'm sensitive to shoulder stuff, so I immediately winced watching him go off the ice. So, but I don't know, I don't know anything about that. But it sure looked familiar to me. Um, but gee whiz, man, like that's that's so that's so tough because I wanted to see a lot of him this weekend. I was hoping to, to get a lot of action from him to see what he what, what he looked like with this group because I think because I mean, I think there's something there with him. I think I think I think there's a good player there. Um, but we didn't get to see it because he was he was bounced out what first second period of that game. We didn't really get to see too much of him, and now we you know I don't know how you know how it's going to affect his season in Saginaw. I guess we'll we'll find out when he goes to Saginaw camp. But uh, that was such a bummer because it's just like ah, it's another guy I want to see more of. Like him and Nadeau were like the two guys where it's like I, lo- I wanted to get the, get a good look at these guys because they've really taken steps in junior hockey already where it's like, okay, they're, they're doing stuff like Nadeau especially because geez, man, like he just piled up points last year and you're like, all right, maybe they got another guy like they, but you don't know. I mean, Quebec, I think you and I could score 80 points in Quebec maybe if we were, you know, if we were 18 and could skate and, you know, had a high level of compete or whatever. But, um, but I mean, it's, but it's, you know, I kid, but it's still a lot of points for a guy that they got like at that level of the draft. This is a very high compete level podcast show. Um, just want to lay that out there. It, Ted Nolan would be proud. He, he would be very happy to hear that. 
It's the same reason why Yuri Kulik isn't going to the queue, right? Like Yuri mm-hmm. Kulik's gonna gonna be playing in Rochester this season because the queue is not not the strongest. But you know, Olivier Nadeau expect him to be in Rochester in a year, and you know we. I didn't know what to expect from Matt Savoy this past week, Joe. Yeah. You know, we, he had the shoulder injury, didn't go to Team Canada camp because he wanted to rest it, hit the weight room, get on the ice, and just get ready for this. He wants he wanted to he wants to earn a long stay at Sabres training camp. Based on everything I saw over the past week, specifically his just overall play defensively, he was a menace out there, just stripping pucks. You know, if he couldn't get to one, he just made it difficult, took her away time and space. I saw all the signs that tell me that, yeah, he's going to stick around for a bit. Of course, this is going to be just like Dylan Cousins in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Good camp. You represented yourself well, but we want you to go get stronger. We want you to go get more experience. We'll, we'll see in a year when when it's time for you to, to be on in this club, It's when it's time for you to be in the NHL. But, man. Yeah, especially once he actually got to show his offense as it, it sort of went along, develop, developing chemistry with line mates and not playing against Slavkovsky. Yeah, Savoy <laughs> showed why he was drafted ninth overall. Yeah, that was it's a little tough to have to deal with, you know, Slavkovsky and Philip Meshar. Uh, yeah, and those yeah. two really good defensemen. Montreal had both yes. of their top defensemen out there too. Barron, who's going to be in the NHL this season. Yeah. Like, man, that was a tough first assignment, but Savoy made it through. And yeah, really, really good the rest of the, you know, well, even that game, but really the rest of the way stood out. Yeah, and also, just because I love the name, Arbor Zekai. From, so good from Montreal. Yeah, he was what a fine dynamite, and he's like an undrafted guy. And I'm like, I hope the Habs sign him up right away because somebody should. He was he was a monster, and he he also had the first like one punch KO in a fight I've seen in a long time. Good lord, he I got he boarded somebody in, in the Ottawa their game against Ottawa, and of course you got to answer the bell. That's what happens. You know, Brzola had to do the same thing against Montreal. Like that's that's what goes on. And uh, the Ottawa player that stepped to him, they, he got a couple of pokes on him on the face, but then Shekai just caught him right under the chin and down. He, he went right down like a, like a sack of hammers. He was done. And I was like, Whoa, I did. I, it, it was one of those things where like, if I got caught on camera, it's just me do, doing like the, you know, hands over my mouth. Like, Oh my God, hold, I can't believe that happened kind of thing. But, that's a, but yeah, that, I came away very impressed with him. Also, it seemed like he played 45 minutes every game. So, you know, good for him. It's funny because he, uh, not to get too off topic from Sabres, but he got an entry-level deal a year ago because he was one of their best players in training camp <laughs> with, with the Habs. So your, your eyes it. and what we saw on Thursday, the rest of the tournament, and yeah, he's, the Canadians are going to be a really good team. The Atlantic division is just going to be fat, you know, fascinating mm-hmm. to watch between the senators who didn't bring many pros like actual prospects because Sanderson didn't end up playing. Well, anyways, they just didn't look as nearly as strong as I expected. Yeah. I think, I, I think Sanderson played Ottawa's first game against Boston. Best to save him. That blue line in Ottawa needs some help and he's yeah. probably one of their top six options anyways. I mean, he's probably going to be in their top four. Like, let's, yeah, let's, with what let's, they have. let's be serious here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, he didn't play. I mean, he played one game. Shane Pinto played one game. Uh, who else? I Listen, I, I, I love Victor Lodine, 
or Loden. I don't know how it's pronounced. Apologize, Ottawa people that might be listening to this for some reason. I don't know, but I like his, I like his game, but I didn't notice him one bit the the whole weekend, which was tough. But um, but yeah, they were. It was it was a little disappointing from the from the prospect watching standpoint with Ottawa, but uh, it's, it's fine. We were there to watch the Sabers, and the Sabers brought every everything they could, apart from you know the guys that are <laughs> going to be in the NHL at some point this year, <laughs> like Owen Power and Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka. Which, if you're counting on keep them those, to be at this, like, keep those guys no. healthy, right? No. And even Seth Appert said he would have loved to have him, obviously, but yeah, you, you can't. It's just the reality of the situation. And before we move on to the invites, which I will note, this is absolutely like the best, most talented group of invites, in my opinion, they've had. Mm -hmm. It's something like this. Yeah, these were not seat fillers. The decor. (laughs) Now, we'll talk about Oscar Laxon in another day. That seems like a a much longer conversation. But Mm -hmm. Mats Lindgren... Yeah, I think that they found themselves a pretty good player in the fourth round. I like Komarov as well, more of a project, but Lindgren, he's going – it's not going to take him long to earn an entry-level deal with this organization as long as he he wants one from them. (laughs) No, there's a high skill component to his game. He's a very smooth skater, very quick skater. Um, I came away – I love the way he's able to shield the puck and carry it up the ice and make passes, especially in the power play. He was very good at coordinating, uh, you know, quarterbacking the power play, I guess, quarterbacking, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) He's the closing pitcher on the power play. I don't know, man. You know, he's he's the three point shooter on the power. Give the shit. Come on. But like, he was so good at, at able, being able to distribute the puck around on the power play. It was very impressive. And, you know, listen, it was easy for them to just have Loxon and take care of all the power play stuff, which I mean, he did. He was on one unit and Lindgren was on the other one. But man, man, both units, both units had a lot of talent on it. And Lindgren made it very easy for those guys to get shots and to get opportunities and to get the puck to the net occasionally. I, you know, obviously with a kid that young, there's going to be some you know little hiccups here and there. He's especially on defense. Like, especially oh, on yeah. defense. Especially on defense. So I mean, you know, the defensive stuff, you know, some things here and there, but it, whatever whatever it's fine you know if he's if he's 20 if he's 22 making those similar kinds of mistakes then all right you know send him back send him back to you know have him take a class or something and get it figured out but um but i but yeah i i really liked it i really liked the way he played and yeah komarov was was a solid guy to put next to him because he's a big that's a big dude and he hasn't and komarov hasn't even filled out yet but he's he looked he looked monstrous out there and that's you know Lindgren's not a small dude. He's, you know, 5'11", 170, but, you know, Komarov was 6'3", 186. He's still a big guy, but, but man, like, there's still some, you know, some some muscle to get put on there, some some weight to get on him. But, but yeah, that was uh, – I was very impressed with Lindgren. Lindgren's edge work, uh, the lateral – the lateral agility, being able to – break break pressure in the offensive zone from the blue line and to create space to create a shot line lane to get the puck to the net is something that really stood out to me in terms of his game. He got more comfortable and really got a better sense of, okay, when am I going to be pressured breaking the puck out of my zone? When, when do I need to do a spin move? When, you know, how do I get the puck to Comer off to break it out? 
really knew started to learn how to pick a spot. Remember, the kid just turned 18 years old. He was 17 when he got yeah. drafted. He, mm-hmm. He's moving over to Red Deer this year in the WHL. Yeah, really brought a different physicality into his game, especially in the playoffs last year for Kamloops. So it's it's just a really a, a different prospect to bring in. They didn't go they didn't go defenseman early like some people wanted them to, especially when you look at the Tobias Leaning pick. I know that there were some people a little upset about they should have gone D there, waited on goalie, but yeah, now it really explains it. I, I love Lindgren's game and, and what he's able to bring to the table. Komarov's an interesting one. More of a you know, he's got all the physicality, right shot defenseman. He's gonna have to get better with the puck. Those first three steps mm-hmm. need to become quicker, but like yes. those, those are certain development areas that you can work on. There's a, there's a good foundation there with him that, you know, and he's already in the queue. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about bringing him over to North America. So he's going to be much further along. It, it was really nice for them to have him in a camp like this to get a better idea because three on three development camp, that whole situation didn't really show his skill set. That was much more so on display this time around. And Joe, goaltending. They didn't have, you know, Beck Warm was the only guy that's under contract in the organization. It's an AHL deal. Beck Warm is going to be in Cincinnati with Michael Hauser as long as everything goes according to plan. Probably overlooked in your houses, folks. Yes. (laughs) Probably overlooked a little bit how really how well back warm play just a really good depth option mm-hmm. wouldn't be shocked at all if he gets games in rochester this season and i'm not only talking about you know one or two he he is an ahl level quality goaltender just he's six foot so he's one of these guys who's been overlooked i think in the the scouting process the listeners want to hear about tomas sahanic though Mm-hmm. The invite goalie yes. from the Tri-City Americans, the Western Hockey League, went undrafted in July, probably because his junior team wasn't very good last year, but he was outstanding at World Juniors. And Joe, pretty darn good week here in Buffalo that he can, and to clarify for listeners, he can sign with any team up until the start of the NHL season, according mm-hmm. to his agent. So yes. there's this. There's going to be an opportunity here for him. If there's going to be teams who are interested, we know that there are. I'm sure the Sabres were pretty impressed by what they saw. Uh, what do you think on that front? I uh, I loved when he came in on Thursday against Montreal because they, he and Beckworm split the game because you know each played 30 minutes roughly, and then each guy was going to get a full game the rest of the week. Perfect way to do it because uh, you got two guys that you know. You know, one that is in your organization, the other one that you ha- obviously have an interest in, so you got to know. Uh, but I love when he comes in in the Montreal game. He comes in as Montreal's got a power play starting, and it's like, well, congrats, buddy. Here you go. It's a immediate, you know, power, you know, penalty kill situation. Good luck. Oh, by the way, Slavkovsky's going to be parked in front of you, and <laughs> Meshar and uh, Mishak and all these guys are going to be buzzing around trying to score goals on you. And right off the face-off, you know, Montreal wins the face-off, and I forget who it was that snapped it. It might have been Mishar. Rips it right on net, and he just sticks the blocker out, throws it away. And I'm just kind of like, oh, well, he's ready. No need to warm up there. That's good. Uh, he was dynamite. He was dynamite against Montreal. Cursed the Sabres for being too good on defense in the Ottawa <laughs> game, I guess, because we didn't get to see enough of them in that game. Now, granted, Defense gave him a rough start because they 
gifted, gifted Ottawa breakaway in the first, you know, with the first minute of the game, like here, here, buddy, everybody's here to see. And out. by the way, here's, we goofed. Here's a, here's a breakaway. Good luck. Um, you know, another shot was a big ripper from, you know, from the half wall, like, okay, whatever, but didn't get to see enough of them, but some of the plays around the net, he's exciting and he's exciting to watch because, and you know, I, I had this discussion with John Warrow on Thursday, John Warrow from the Associated Press. You may or may not know him, but he's, he's good. So it's fine. But we were talking about him and he goes, he, he points out, he goes, he goes, he's got the classic check style. And I go, you mean just get anything in front of the puck? He goes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. He's like, let style be damned. Let, you know, let, you know, mechanics be damned. He just wants to get the puck away from him. And man, oh man, do I love a goalie like that. <laughs> we <laughs> saw late. Yeah. We, we saw late in the second period on Monday. Not a, not a yeah. lot of work for him on Monday. I think it was 19 shots on goal, but mm-hmm. when the Sabres needed him, he stepped up, made a big, yeah. big save on Crookshank from a one-timer from the half wall, the right mm-hmm. side, you know, and it looked like, you know, he got over there just in time. The rebound control was great. Really protected the bottom of his crease. I'm sorry to interrupt your thought, but man, no, yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> when tested, when one under fire, like he's a good goaltender, especially when you consider the development track that he's on. Like, not a lot of North American experience. Much further mm-hmm. along than I would have anticipated. If I'm the Sabers, given what we know about Eric Portillo's inevitable. <laughs> inevitable situation of exploring and signing, exploring the market and signing elsewhere, man, Sahanic would fit perfectly in just, you want to space out your goalies in terms of age, in in terms of readiness. He would fit in very nicely when you look at Lukanen, then Levi, Sahanic, and then Leninen. That would look very nice. The Sabres can pull it off, Joe. Yes, it would. Uh, especially because there's some, there is concern, I think around the fan base. I don't know about internally. Cause uh, listen, I, I'm not a goalie nut to begin with, which is weird because I just did a, I ranked the starting goalies in the NHL for Bleach Report this week, but I'm not a goalie nut, but I'm definitely not a prospect goalie nut because good luck. Like I, I can't figure that out. Save my, if I could, I'd be, listen, I would use that power to win the lottery. Instead, because I, 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 I can't, I just can't do it. Like some guy who's great at 18. Cool. Awesome. Maybe he's going to be a great pro. No, maybe he's out of hockey in two years. Like that, that that's how it works with the, with a lot of these guys. But when you see a guy in action though, and you're just thinking, maybe you got something here. And I think Sahanic is exactly that because there's a lot of that ability. He's got, you know, I'm looking at his you know, size is pretty average. He's fine, you know. Six he's two, quick for six, he's quick for yeah. six too. Like he's quick in his crease. He's athletic and he's poised. Mm-hmm. You saw that yes. Thursday in particular, coming in on a PK and stopping the barrage that he had to face. <laughs> yeah. And he had, you know, again, Slavkowski parked in front of him. And instead of what I liked about him is that instead of like getting down low, which you know I know probably every goalie coach would be like, no, I want you to get low, peek around you know, and, and see where you can see where the shot is. No, he stood right behind Slavkowski. Slavkowski's got a couple inches on him and he's just standing there with him. And he's just kind of like, all right, all right, all right. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. And like, he's just immediately quick. And he, because again, he doesn't care about dropping to the butterfly or, you know, you know, the reverse VH or whatever, the, whatever the hell that stuff is with the goalie. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
and I don't want to care about it. But he just, it, but he's just like, no, uh, as long as I can get in front of the puck and stop it, great. Which I'm sure, I'm sure if we ask Mike Bales about that, he would be like, that drives me insane. Please give, please don't be that way because I can't teach you because I can't help you out if you're just kind of like, no, I just like, how, okay, how did you stop that one? I don't know. I just stuck my arm out. <laughs> okay well what did you think about like you know closing up the three hole or the one hole or whatever the hell it is no i just no see puck stop puck that's what i do like <laughs> like that's that's the kind of stuff i like out of a goalie and i i mean maybe that's why i'm you know and again not a sabers fan ever in my life but that's why i'm a hashik freak i like hashik's my guy because he was exactly that he's like whatever i gotta do to stop the puck i'm gonna do it um, so that's what, you know, in that's where my mind went when John describes him, he's, he's like, he's got the classic Czech goalie style. And I go, well, well, yeah, of course he does. Like, I mean, but like, then I think about it, well, no, he's 19. He probably never watched Dominic Hasek play ever, you know, like at all. Like, you know, I know maybe, maybe like the local pickup league he did, but I, I don't think Hasek plays goal in that. So <laughs> most <laughs> I mean, of those young kids yeah. don't watch YouTube for the older players. Except no. for Kulik, who loves watching Armor Yager video, which hey, respect that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. blame you at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, who was it? It was, uh, uh, was it Kizikov who said he watched for Datsuk? Was it, was that him or was that, uh, or who was it? It was not Kizikov. It oh, was. That was... Oh, who said that? Somebody said they just watched for Datsuk. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, of course you did. Shoot. Uh, I think it was Roseanne. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's funny because Datsuk's working with um, Victor Nuchev, Sabres prospect, over in Russia this year. Well, that's exciting. Joe, we still have an NHL training camp to talk about. Right? I, I, here we are, you know, burning, burning our energy here on Prospects Camp, which is deserved because – for the first time in a long time, the prospects camp is, is definitely worth talking about. You know, we we will be happy to touch on more of pros. We could probably circle back on some prospect stuff next week if we have everything in mind, and we will talk more about training camp in next week's episode because we'll have more more preseason games, more time, no prospects challenge to weigh on. But Joe, practices start Thursday. First preseason game is Sunday. Which I know that the talk going into this, the theme is going to be continuity. Most of the roster is back. There's all the good vibes from the last two months of the season. But there are some some notable questions surrounding this team. And whether it be, you know, one example, you know, will Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka make the roster? They're going to be given every opportunity. We don't know if... If they will, considering the competition, Joe, all things considered, what stands out to you? And when we're when we sit down on Thursday to watch some hockey with the NHL guys, what what are you what what questions are you looking forward to getting answers to over the next couple of weeks here? And you can steal I, the one that I gave as an example. You have my permission. <laughs> uh, I, I well, I want to avoid goaltending because I've already I've already. We love goaltending on this on podcast, though. We, we talk we've about spent it a lot. the whole like I, if we had to measure it out, I think we've talked goaltending on this podcast about seventy five percent of the time, in some form or another, because it's just it's it's the obvious issue, it's the pressing issue, like that's that's just what it is. I want to see what I want to see how the forward groups shake out in general, because yes, they can go young, 
I mean, if Paterka and Quinn earn it, then yeah. But then, okay, you get to put, you know, Hinostroza on waivers. You got to put Shahan on waivers. You got to put, I mean, I, I'm sure the answer to all these is, you know, you got to put Bjork on waivers. Maybe not Bjork on waivers because he costs a lot of money. But, you know, are you okay with doing that if you're the Sabres and risking losing them like immediately in camp and never, you know, not having them for depth and not, you know, all that stuff if that happens? Now, it's easier to get guys to sail through waivers later on in camp because everybody's cutting people and whatever. But I got to wonder how – I want to know what those guys have to do to, to make the team and over top of those guys. That, that to me, is what's going to be interesting because, in my mind, they should have been on the team at some point last year. Obviously, I, I they put up such stupid numbers that there was it seemed pointless for them to stay in Rochester. We yelled about it a lot at the, at the end of the year. But what did they have to do in camp to 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 get that spot and to keep it all year? Because the easy the easy play is to just, OK, go back. We'll figure it out. You know, it, you know, it, it's not your fault, but, you know, we got We got to figure this out because. I just I, I can't picture sending those guys back and just having them like light up everybody in the AHL again, and then just having them spin their wheels. Especially if Buffalo starts off slow, like if they get out of the if they if they get out of the gate slow and those guys are just you know scoring two points a night every night in Rochester, like people are gonna get pissed really fast and for good reason. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. Like you look at the players, the prospects that we expect to be in Rochester at the start of the season, you know, for the duration of the season, really. And you mm-hmm. look at guys like Sean Malone, um, Brandon Byro, Brett Murray. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a lot of players. I just don't know. Based on their decision to have all these younger guys ready to go to Rochester, signals to me at least – Clint and Paterka, they got to play their way off the roster in training camp mm-hmm. as opposed to really having to. Now, I'm not saying that there's not going to be competition. There's still going to be, hey, if you don't perform, we'll send you to Rochester. We still have that ability. We, you know, Seth can certainly figure out how to distribute ice time if they have an, a, a very high end prospect they were anticipating. I'm sure he'd love to do it, you know, to have a, mm-hmm. another quality player to work with down there. But yeah, I, I just think with. Everything going on with Ciderquist, Kisikov, Rosean, Rusak, like they right. are clearly planning on Quinn and Paterka to be in the NHL. Now, I do agree with you how that actually plays out in terms of, you know, waivers, who goes on waivers, what do they do with Anders Bjork? But like Bjork's gonna, Bjork's gotta be motivated as hell to come in and prove yeah. that he's a guy that belongs. He's not gonna just go quietly, right? This is a guy who, can who's done it who's gotten a lot of nhl games who you know when healthy he's shown flashes it's just a very interesting development track for him henestroza they brought back for a reason the leadership the chemistry with guys like dylan cousins and look at defense they're they're gonna keep more than six so how does that really factor in casey fitzgerald's not going back down to rochester no they got a good group on defense up up here they've also got a lot of competition with with the two-way contracts whether it be pilot prisky davies uh clegg right so 
I agree with you that that is a very fascinating layer to put into this. And how does Jack Quinn respond after he didn't produce as much offense in the playoffs as he would have liked? Although Mm -hmm. defensively in almost every other way, his game just kept getting better, you know, throughout the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I Quinn to me, based on what we've seen over the two years where, you know, the first year was really rough, you know, weird season, the whole thing. It was a rough year. I mean, you know, he was a minus player, didn't score a lot. He didn't score much at all, really. But yeah, that team wasn't um, really good anyways. No, no, they were not. Injuries, but, taxi squad. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, just such a dumb year. It was, just yeah. a, it was such a dumb year. Otherwise, like, you know, it, I, I think if they were given a do-over on that season, maybe they send Quinn to Europe instead. Oh. But Switzerland? Yeah. Yeah, that's what – like, because, I mean – I mean, there, there's always like deadlines to, to to send guys over there because you know those teams have to get their rosters set and everything. But maybe maybe sending them to Europe would have worked out. But maybe he didn't want to go to Europe. Maybe it's just you know that's way. Either way, it's over and done with now. But um, but the way he came back last season from that and just went ham and just went absolutely off with everything. I was like, okay, all right. Well, he learned from that. I'm very curious to see what his step is now after a disappointing playoff. And if that puts a chip on his shoulder to be like, all right, well now I got to come out and whoop ass everywhere, no matter where I am. So I, I want to see if there's another step to take there because it's, I mean, he's, he's damn good. He's a damn good player. So I want to see if, I want to see if he takes, takes it to another level there, which if he does, he's never going back to Rochester ever again. He's always responded well to moments of adversity. Go back to his time in Ottawa, 12 goals, mm-hmm. gets 52 the next year. We saw it in Rochester. Now what's that step going to be after learning some lessons in the playoffs, adjusting and finding his way? And Paterka has got to keep playing the way that he was after Christmas mm-hmm. last year. Got to be responsible defensively. If you're not back-checking, you're not using that speed to, to impact the game in other ways. You're not going to get in the NHL lineup with the competition that they have. He led the team in preseason scoring last year. Mm-hmm. Preseason's different than the regular season, though. You get out of the complete game, and even in the preseason, Paterka didn't have that complete game a year ago right. that led to the decision that, hey, go to Rochester, learn under a good coaching staff, and and see where it takes you. Joe, mine's not going to be on more of the pro- – mine's not in the prospect prism, but the one the, the one question, the one storyline I'm keeping an eye on is, is Casey Middlestead. Mm-hmm. It was a little overlooked during that really good April for the Sabres, but Casey Middlestad was getting a lot of ice time and he was starting to produce, I think over the last 25 games of the season or so, I have the exact number. I don't have it on me. I have it written down in a, in a story for later in the week. Mm-hmm. He was averaging a half a point a game, you know, all things considered uh, difficult circumstances, you know, a 41 point pace or an 82 game season not, you know, for a third line player, not bad at all. Um, especially, you know, he was still going through it. He was still fighting it physically every night. It took a while for him to get, to get healthy. Don Granado was giving him quite a bit of ice time. You know, Casey Middlestad, if you don't remember, was by far the Sabres best player in training camp last year. He was more consistent than Tage Thompson, more consistent than Jeff Skinner, everybody. Now, on the power play, he looked like he was going to be Eichel's, you know, replacement on the half wall left side. So, like, mm-hmm. whether it be center or wing, middle status to come in and show that not only is he healthy, 
but he is ready to fend off the competition of Quinn Paterka and really take hold of a role and show that he is part of this thing long term. This is a big evaluation year for this organization. Mm-hmm. Now you can argue that like, hey, it's teams are like that all over the league every year. It's all about what have you done for me lately. But the Sabres in particular, with guys like Savoy, Oslin, you know, Kulik, Rosean, all of them filtering up. There's going to be roster decisions in the future where they're going to need guys to really show they're part of the plan long term. Because at some point, there's going to be too many bodies and something to sort out. You know, when healthy and on the ice, Middlestad's shown that like the ability is there. It's just it's he's got to put it all together. And this is a big camp for him. It's a huge season for him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find myself pulling for him because. You know, because how how rough last season was the uh, the injury stuff was so hard to see. You know, you know, first game of the year had a monster camp, and we're all looking forward to the seeing like, okay, let's let's see how he does with this. And then whatever whatever the injury was, upper body, middle body, I don't I don't remember. The latter is uh, the best way to describe it, but right. So, <laughs> but like it kept him out, and then he tried to hurry back from it. Cause he's, cause he's, I don't blame him. He's, he's like, I'm playing for my career here, basically, you know, cause I don't want, I don't want to leave Buffalo. You know, I, I don't want to get traded and have to start over someplace else and try to, you know, do the same thing, get a press there do whatever. Uh, but he comes back quick and then it gets re-injured. And then it's like, you got to start over from the beginning again. And it's hard, man. Like that's really hard. And it, he's had such a rough go of it just because I don't know, again, you know, hindsight being 2020, you don't sign him out of Minnesota after one year. You have him go back for another year. You know, I because everybody was all hype after World Juniors and how great he looked there. And you're you're thinking, well, he played great in front of the fans here for USA. We got to get him in here. Didn't work. So, you know, have him go back, play another year at Minnesota, and then bring him in. Get him some more games under his belt just so he can get better acclimated. Because let's face it, his numbers at Minnesota weren't they weren't blow you away numbers. They were good. But they weren't like, I mean, nobody does Eichel numbers. Paul Korea did Eichel numbers. Those, you know, that, that's an unreal expectation. But I mean, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like Cole Caulfield numbers or anything like that. So. His, de- his development was mishandled by the previous regime. It, yes. it really, it really was. They took too long to send to Rochester when, you know, the 2018-19 season they traded Ryan O'Reilly and, and Middlestad was thrown into a second line role on a team mm-hmm. where the expectation was they had to compete right away despite the O'Reilly trade. There was still that expectation with Eichel, Reinhardt, and some other pieces like Skinner and Sherry that they were going to be ready to compete, which was just, you know, in hindsight, crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But man, it just that's not a develop envi- that's not an environment that's conducive to development. Players that age, that situation aren't going to get better. And we, you know, we could sit here and I think it's on brand for our podcast to mention Ralph Kruger in the last few minutes, but you got to do it. It's another, you know, that whole experience, of course, was a, a hit to not only confidence, but mm-hmm. developing on the ice. So I am. I wouldn't give up on him quite yet. I'm sure that it's it's difficult for some fans, just given you know it's what you what you've done for me lately type of thing. But man, like mm-hmm. training camp, whether it be the preseason games or the practices a year ago, by far the best player. So I want to see how he shows up. It's uh, if anything, this system that Granado's got in place is conducive to a, a player with Casey's skills. You know, his often his offensive skills, his puck handling. The way he, the way he's able to create offense. I mean, 
this is the system for him. Like this is it. And I don't want to, I'm not going to throw pressure on his back, but like if he can't find ways to make it work with this group and how they play the game, it's really, I, it gets a lot tougher for him after that, because I don't know if there's another team situation where that would, would allow him the space and the room and the ability and the leeway to be able to do that. Because if he goes somewhere else, like it's going to be like, all right, dude, it's on you. Like you got to do it now. It's not, you know, what, you know, they, they know they didn't have to worry about developing him is the thing, you know, they're picking up a guy that they kind of know what they're getting into, but you know, they're going to be like, all right, man, you got to be a finished product at this point. It's not like we're going to spend the next two years trying to get you figured out and then go from there. Like it's no, you got to be the thing. And if you're not the thing, then see you later. He'll benefit from the experience that he's gained. He'll benefit from the hindsight of he's faced a lot of really good players in the league already. So coming in physically ready to go, he'll be fine. I think right now it's just health that that's the obstacle for Casey Middlestad and finding out where his niche is, whether it be the center or, you know, is, is he going to be a center long-term? Is he going to be a wing? Is he going to be a guy that moves around a little bit now that Peyton Krebs is around and Krebs is another guy. I want to see what he's like in training camp because overlooked that he didn't have a whole lot of pro experience when he showed up in the trade. So yeah, there's there's still competition here, right? Right. I mean, like the roster, we have a pretty good idea what it's going to be, but up front in particular, the competition is going to be very fascinating to track here. You know, early on preseason games, what usage is like, that sort of thing. You know what that means? We're all going to be on line watch every day. Ooh, <laughs> they are... It's the line obsession is going to get out of control yeah. because we're all going to be trying to read to you. And it's not just everybody on Twitter asking us, oh, what aligns, what aligns. It's going to be us too. Like, don't, don't get that twisted. Everybody. We're going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to put this guy with this guy. I'm like, mm, what they're thinking here. And then we're going to ask them what they're thinking. And they're not going to tell us what they're thinking. And then I already brought gonna... the, I already brought the line conversation up to Don Granado and he like, just <laughs> cut me off. He goes, listen, <laughs> <laughs> We're not do. There's not a set line. There, their guys are going to be moving around constantly. You're not going to see me sticking with a, a one trio for an entire season. Like what I did last year isn't going to impact what we're doing this year. Well, you know, you're just going to have to wait and see. So that's easy uh, well, to say now, but like tough, tough to break up Skinner Thompson talk. It really right. is. But when you look at all these young guys and where they fit in, we never, t- you know, Victor Olsen is just completely overlooking this process because yeah. of everything else that this team has, man, it's, yeah, it's a good problem for the Sabres to have and one that certainly fans around here aren't accustomed to, but there, yeah. there's a lot of pieces and now it's just a matter of where they fit. And if Paterka and Quinn are part of the, the puzzle you know, at the start of the season. If there's anything that works in the benefit of, of the Sabres players is that Don saw what Ralph Kruger did by pulling Jeff Skinner off of Jack Eichel's line, oh, and burying him in the lineup, and then thinking, no, I'm not going to do that. I know how that works. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like, like Zemgus and Skinner. Yeah. I think that might work. We can make that, we can make that happen. I, I will add, like, I think the Skinner-Thompson pairing in particular – they're really good together. I, I yes. would expect those two to, to stick. They they play off each other perfectly. Now it's just a matter is a tuck on the right wing, you know, Quinn, Paterka, mm-hmm. Olafson. So yeah, that's nice problems to have. Yeah, I and it's good that we're able to talk about the problems after all this time, Joe, because we got through let's just call the dog days of summer and now we're here. <laughs> 
<laughs> thank you all for sticking with us. Um, hopefully we, we were still able to keep you entertained, but it was great to hear folks come up to us at the, the prospects challenge over the last few days and, and just comment about the podcast. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for continuing yeah. to listen. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. And, uh, to the, to the one fan, I didn't catch your name and I apologize. I assume you're listening because you said you love listening. Uh, but you said you were thankful that we kept doing this all summer long. And I said, we didn't have a choice, man. <laughs> we, st- we started the pot at the end of December. It's like, well, we're not going to do this for th- you know three, four months. And then be like, all right, see you in yeah. September. I'm like, no, no. But now, we, but now we've set a bar for ourselves where now we have to do this 52 weeks I think a year. We've taken, I think we've only taken one week off since we started. Uh, I think it's only been one. So, and that yeah, was, well, and that, there was, was, that was for a very good reason. Yeah, that was for, very that, good those were for very good reasons. Yeah. That's, so yeah that's, it's been only once or twice. So we're going to keep up with it. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, I think it's time to wrap up. We're going to have so yeah. much to talk about next week too. So if we didn't get to a topic that, you know, or people have uh, prospect questions, prospect topics they want us to, to touch on next week. Hey, just give us a shout out on Twitter or, or whatever. You know, we're Absolutely. happy to to circle back. There's, you know, we were talking about it this week. There are just so many. There were so many guys at, at prospects challenge. You just can't get to all of it. And the same goes for um, for here on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're it, it's fun. This is this is the stuff we've been waiting for. It's, you know, to have actual conversations not you know make-believe ones that we're <laughs> just throwing out there just love to say like, hey we need something to talk about like love a good make make-believe conversation <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh man yeah we do need to wrap this up uh so let's uh let, let, let's let's tell everybody where they can find us on the internet lance you go first oh thanks joe uh on twitter l-l-y-s-o-w-s-k-i and uh of course you can read my work in the buffalo news in print and online uh hopefully everybody picked up a copy of our uh the training camp preview section which featured uh my my alex tuck story uh thank you all for continuing to read and uh yeah it's gonna be uh gonna be a fun season joe what about yourself well, you can find me at Twitter at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. You can find me uh, countless places on the internet. Uh, so if you're trying to avoid me, <laughs> too friggin' bad. Uh, you find me at Bleacher Report. Uh, you find me at Die by the Blade. You can find me at Noted Hockey. Yes, content is coming. Content is coming. Uh, where else? Where else? Where else? Uh, here. Yeah. Also, yeah, here. You found us here, though, but but you did that. Uh, thank you, Lance. This, this was fun, and we're going to have a lot more fun the rest of the way. I'm... I'm too hyper for this. This could have been a five-hour show. No, it wasn't going to be, though. That's fine. Uh, so thank you, Lance. We're going to get back. We'll catch you after you get back from D.C. So uh, we'll – it might be a little delayed next week. It's fine. It's fine. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah, we'll figure it out. It's fine. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll catch you again next week. Bye.